Hello and welcome to Our Lady of Victory live streaming. It's Wednesday, May 17th, and we're going to reflect upon the first reading from Mass today, which is taken from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verse 15, and we're going to skip to verse 22 and read through the end of the chapter. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. After Paul's escorts had taken him to Athens, they came away with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Then Paul stood up at the Areopagus and said, You Athenians, I see that in every respect you are very religious. For as I walked around looking carefully at your shrines, I even discovered an altar inscribed to an unknown God. What therefore you unknowingly worship, I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all that is in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in sanctuaries made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands because he needs anything. Rather, it is he who gives to everyone life and breath and everything. He made from one the whole human race to dwell on the entire surface of the earth. And he fixed the ordered seasons and the boundaries of their regions so that people might seek God even perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since therefore we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divinity is like an image, fashioned from gold, silver, or stone by human art and imagination. God has overlooked the times of ignorance, but now he demands that all people everywhere repent because he has established a day on which he will judge the world with justice through a man he has appointed. And he has provided confirmation for all by raising him from the dead. When they heard about resurrection from the dead, some began to scoff, but others said, we should like to hear you on this some other time. And so Paul left them, but some did join him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the court of the Oropagus, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we see Paul in a situation where he's trying to preach the gospel in different kind of territory, right? He's always going to the synagogues and he's able to preach and argue the case for Jesus, to make the case for Jesus out of the Hebrew scriptures. Well, now he's talking to a pagan culture. They don't know Hebrew scriptures. So he's looking for another way to, he's looking for a doorway to uh, invite people to an encounter with Jesus Christ. So here he ends up at uh, at the Areopagus, which is a place where the governing council of ancient Athens regularly met. So where great thinkers of the day, leaders, met to consider different questions of the day. And he's led there by philosophers. So we know he's in the company of thinkers. And um, while originally repulsed by their idol worship, 
You know, we see that in Acts where he's disgusted by uh, the idol worship that was prevalent in the, in the city. He uses that, right, as a common ground, as an entry point for the people. He says, I see that you are a very religious people. And he establishes a common ground with them. He said, I even found, I discovered an altar inscribed to an unknown God. Well, he uses this. And the fact that the, you know, scholars tell us that ancient Athenian people were preoccupied with hearing new things, with learning new things. And so he appeals to that curiosity. He says, uh, I even discovered an altar inscribed to an unknown God. What, and then he says, what therefore you unknowingly worship, I proclaim to you. Well, he's going to tell them something about this God that they don't know about. He says, the God who made the world and all that is in it gives everyone life, breath, and everything. We all live in this God. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. He created us. Paul is teaching them. He fixed the ordered seasons and the boundaries of their region so that people might seek God, even perhaps grope for him and find him. So he's appealing to something that Greek philosophers had stumbled upon. I'm not saying this is a common belief. I don't really know. But I know that Greek philosophers found, believed in an ordered universe, an intelligence to the design of the universe, that the universe was governed by physical laws. So Paul's saying, hey, this unknown God, he's the, he's the one who put, these, who put these laws in place, these physical laws governing the universe. We know who he is. And you can know him too, he says. He is not far from any one of us. And Paul teaches this other elsewhere. And also the church teaches this. Our Catholic church teaches this. I'd like to share just a short blurb from um, Vatican I. You know, God is known by reason and revelation. Reason, our intelligence, our intellect. It goes like this. The same Holy Mother Church holds and teaches that God, the source and end of all things, can be known with certainty from consideration of created things by the natural power of human reason. So Paul is teaching us that we can know creation, God through creation. And he's making that case here in, to the Greeks. In Romans, Paul says this, Ever since the creation of the world, his inv invisible nature has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So we can know God from creation. He's not far from us. And Paul is making this case to them. He's gradually setting up deeper and deeper revelation. And he, he finally he begins, you know, he says, he says, in, in him we live and move and have our being, that we're his offspring. This whole idea we know from the New Testament, from the Gospels, we're children of God. When we believe and receive Jesus, we are children of God. When we repent and believe, we enter, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. We begin to enter into that kingdom, into that relationship with this God. We are the offspring of God, he tells them. And then he begins to softly introduce Jesus. He didn't say Jesus' name here, but he said that the one who will judge the world is was raised by God. So Paul, Paul is um, meeting them there where they're at, as we say in, when we talk about evangelization. He found a door to open, and he opened it and invited them to encounter Jesus. Well, you know, living out our baptismal call to proclaim the gospel here and now, 2,000 years later, isn't a whole lot different. Like St. Paul, we're challenged to find inroads, to be creative about it. Because 
like St. Paul. See, this is it is a lot like this because Paul typically, well, at first anyway, would go to the synagogues where other Jews met and would understand the scriptures. Now he's outside that environment. Well, in our culture today, while many people still do believe in the Bible, many don't. And many times we're having conversations with our friends and family who we care about deeply, who we want to know the Lord and to be saved. Um, they're in that position. They don't believe in that the Bible is is the word of God necessarily. So we have to be creative about that. We have to meet them where they're at and um, find some way uh, to invite them in. Well, Paul has access to something that we too have access to. And it's revealed in the gospel today. Jesus says, the spirit of truth, just Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is coming, the spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. So Paul had that, we have that. It is the Holy Spirit who transforms disciples like us from ordinary people to spirit-filled evangelizers. He teaches us all things. And when we relate to him in prayer, he reveals things to us and shows us how we can find this common ground. Before the coming of the Spirit, the early Christians were terrified. They didn't know how to live out their call to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. They were feel filled with fear, um, feelings of inadequacy, like, like we would feel sometimes when we're trying to do the same thing. But when the Spirit fell upon them, their hearts were set ablaze rather, for love of God and love of uh, his mission. They could no longer keep Christ to themselves. And through their witness, we know the gospel was, was indeed unleashed to the ends of the earth. So here we are 2,000 years later, and I just want to close with this, uh, this few lines from Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel pastoral letter. He said, There's no limit to what the Lord can do in our midst. He is, his part is to clothe his church with power from on high, the Holy Spirit, for the accomplishment of her mission. Our part is to give our wholehearted yes, to let ourselves be transformed, guided, and sent forth by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do. And brothers and sisters, I, I encourage you to trust in that. We all have family members maybe who have fallen away. Uh, let us let the Holy Spirit guide us and teach us on how to guide them or reintroduce them to Jesus Christ. Go in peace, brothers and sisters.